Welcome to the Doug Peterson Show. Brought to you by the Florida Department of Highway Safety and Motor Vehicles. J.P. Shadrick and former Jaguar Jeff Lagerman discuss the latest Jaguars news with the head coach. The Doug Peterson Show starts right now. And welcome in. It's week 15 of the Doug Peterson Show. Week 15 in the season. Meaningful games in December. J.P. Shadrick, Jeff Lagerman, and head coach Doug Peterson. And it's meaningful still, certainly, because of the huge team win last week in Nashville. Trailing in the game, 7-0. 14-7, could have gone the wrong way right before half. Turnovers and points off turnovers. The quarterback played out of his mind. I mean, all that c- came together for a massive team win last week. Yeah, it, it did. And it was, um, <clears throat> you know, it was exciting to see uh, the defense play the way they did, create the turnovers. We talked about putting pressure on the quarterback and and really a lot of the turnovers came from, from just that. And then, you know, punching the ball out and um, and then the offense, being able to capitalize, you know, uh, on a lot of those uh, takeaways. And, and you know, we, 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 we talked quite a bit, too, about the middle eight. You know, we got the seven uh, before the half and then and obviously coming out in the third quarter. And, and um, you know, we had the kickoff return for the touchdown, but it got called back. But the offense was still able to go out and take about seven, seven minutes or something off the clock and, and score again. So 14 points right there. Um, and, and really – Again, we talk about complimentary football. You know, we've had flashes of it, and uh, it was good to see, um, you know, our team do that last weekend. Boy, takeaways and points uh, always kind of go hand-in-hand a little bit, and 20 points off of those four takeaways and uh, the number for the season, 20 takeaways, 77 points off of the takeaways. And, boy, you needed it in that game. We really did. You know, it's one of the things going into that football game. We knew they were a really, really good run football team, and, and they can control the clock and really control the game if they if they can run it and then and get points themselves, you know, and score. And we just felt um, going into it as well that if we can get the lead and somehow maintain the lead and, and get them out of their uh, comfort zone just a little bit, that, that might be, be in our favor. And, um, you know, I, who would have thought that Trevor, you know, missing a couple of days of practice would have gone out and played the way he did. But, you know, it's a credit to him and his preparation and Coach McCoy of getting him prepared with just um, a day or two of preparation. So do you let him not practice on Wednesdays <laughs> and Thursdays? Well, no. <laughs> it's not the recipe for success, but uh, – no, it's just a credit to Trevor, and, you know, we make sure that the guys are uh, healthy, you know, th- who can practice. And I-, I thought C.J. Beathard, who, you know, our backup quarterback, did an outstanding job for two days and and uh, was really in the mind frame of playing that football game and, and um, did a nice job of, of getting our guys ready to go. And, and then Trevor took over and, uh, you know, played, uh, played as well as he did. I thought it was impressive just from the standpoint of you would have never have known that he had a toe bothering him whatsoever. And uh, credit to your uh, training staff, uh, to your equipment staff, making sure he's got the right equipment on that foot and everything else because literally when he took off and ran, I mean, looked great. Yeah, yeah, he he moved around really well, um, you know, and, and yeah, like you said, you know, the training room and the docks and, and obviously some modern medicine to make that thing not feel quite as painful during the game can help. And, and uh, I've been there with injury and played through it, but, you know, that's just a, a sign of, of, of a really true leader of our team who can play through some injury and pain. And uh, it's uh, really sets a I, I think a standard for uh, for the rest of the guys, and 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 we have a we have a ton of guys that play through injury, but I think it just sets the tone that your quarterback can do that and, and still play at a high level. I think I misspoke earlier. I said the quarterback played out of his mind. Well, 
This is his mind. I mean, he's really settled in now the last month or so, and a lot's been made this week about that goal-to-go interception in London, that being a turning point of sorts for him, kind of maybe a, a revelation. Hey, i got to get my act together here and, and help this football team. But uh, that certainly has been the case since then. He's elevating his game, it seems like, week to week. So out of his mind, no, this is what his mind is right now, and this is a good place to be. It is, and, and you know, there's, there's – uh... There's plays, there's moments, there's scenarios uh, individually that, that sort of kind of can wake a player up a little bit in this league. Um, and there's games that can wake teams up in this league, and, and I'm a big believer of that. And, and uh, I do believe that Denver game was something that really stuck with Trevor, you know, and he really wanted to rebound from that and, and not let his teammates down. You know, that's the type of competitor that he is, and, you know, he's had a lot of success when he was even at Clemson and – you know, and, and listen, he's going to face adversity. You don't go through this game uh, and play as long as, you know, hopefully he does and then and then not go through adversity. You know, it's we're all going to face it. But uh, he, he's done a great job of handling that and really, um, you know, knock on wood, let's say, uh, you know, playing playing pretty good football right now. Yeah, the, he had so many good moments. And, you know, the, the chunk play in the two-minute drill to Christian Kirk, by the way, great play design for the coaching staff. A little dump off to Evan Ingram where Juwan ends up chipping Byard on the way out. But my favorite play of all was taking a knee, and then the defensive tackle comes off and, and hits Fortner under the chin in a, in a knee, you know, situation, which was totally Bush League. And then Trevor immediately gets up into his face. I mean – to me, I mean, that, that's kind of a sign that says, hey, look, you know, I'm a, I got my guys, and then my guys also got me, and that's not going to happen. I love that. Yeah, you know, it's just a great sign of, of just your quarterback who has a ton of respect and sort of admiration for his offensive line and, and vice versa. And when, and when Trevor can do that and stand up for, for, for anybody on the team, especially the offensive line, those guys are going to go to battle, you know, for Trevor. And and um, you know, I, I get it. The situation. I mean, we just we just ran the ball there. I think three straight times got the first down, which we needed the first down. You know, to to really ice the game. And I know I know guys are upset, and it's a it's a tough situation. And and we have to be as an offense in those situations, be smart and expect things from the defense. But uh, for Trevor to really step in there and not back down, I thought was a was a was a really good sign of a leader and and someone the guys can respect. Doug Peterson show continues. Let's move now to the Dallas Cowboys 10 and 3. Of course, you're very familiar with that organization. We go to the Microsoft Surface now for a social media question about the Dallas offense. And this is from at Jag Shan2255. How has Dak Prescott played this season for the Cowboys? How dangerous is C.D. Lamb on the outside? They have a running game to go with it, too, but those two guys especially can play. Yeah, you know, what you've seen, I think, since the injury that Dak had early in the year, you know, he's really come into his own and, and playing playing really good football. I know there were some, some key takeaways, you know, Houston uh, uh, created last week and some uncharacteristical things that, that Dak did. But, you know, I think he's been playing really good, playing smart. Uh, he, he's, a, he's another quarterback that plays tough and physical, and, and he can beat you with his legs and obviously throwing the ball. And, you know, it's 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 uh, – and CeeDee Lamb is – you know, I think he's the the benefit of, you know, they lost to Mari Cooper a couple years ago, and now he's the, he's kind of the focal point of that receiving group, and and he's dangerous. We need to know where he is and where he lines up, and he can be all over the field. So it's a, 
um, you know, it's a matchup that, um, you know, we, we, we saw it with, you know, Derek Carr and Devontae Adams earlier in the season. And we're going to continue to see really good quarterbacks and receivers, you know, combinations the deeper we go this season and, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, in the postseason for sure if we get there. This uh, Cowboys football team, great challenge for your team. It's about as well-rounded as a football team you're going to face probably since the Philadelphia Eagles as far as offense and defense and special teams. You guys are going to have to be on it. Yeah, this is a good football team. All three phases, even special teams, are, are really, really good. Got great players, good returners. Uh, their their kicker is is outstanding. Um, and then you know defensively, they're they, they've created takeaways this year. You know, not only fumbles but interceptions. Um, they're really good on third down. You know, and 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 just a. Uh, a well-coached team again. Coach McCarthy's got these guys rolling. You know, this is really two years in a row now that they've that they're playing like this and kind of lights out. And and it does. It takes. You know, it, it's going to take a, a a really good effort by our football team. Um, you can't make a lot of mistakes. You know, you can't. You got to take care of the football against these guys. Great pass rushers in, in Micah Parsons and, and, you know, Demarcus Lawrence. I mean, these guys can get after you. And, and offensive line is, is good. I know they got, you know, the right tackle uh, deal right now, but, but offensive line is solid. So, you know, where's, where's the weakness, you know, in, in their team? And, and, uh, uh, but I, I, like, I like where our guys are at. I like the way we've been playing here the last couple of weeks and then should be a good game. Their defense, Dan Quinn, defensive coordinator, and you talked about Lawrence. You also talked about Micah Parsons. Is Micah Parsons maybe the best you've seen on the edge this year? I mean, watching the film on him, I mean, there's nothing this guy can't do. And he wins at such a high rate, it's incredible. This guy is extremely high motor. Um, he, he, he never quits. He's got a great first step. Um, he can cross face. He can, he can bend the edge. Um, he can chase from behind. Um, I mean, you see every play on tape, and and um, you know he's a special player, and and we have to know where he's at, obviously, where he lines up. But if you if you put you know all your eggs in one basket on one side of the field, there's number ninety standing on the other side of the field, and and he's just as dangerous. So um, our tackles are gonna. You know, uh, Juwan and Cam are, are get, got their hands full this week, but but again, we don't have to put them on islands. You know, we've we've got uh, you know you put a tight end over there, but again, you see tight ends and, and backs helping tackles, and these two guys are still getting to the quarterback. So it's a, it's a really good challenge for us. Final thought with you here, Coach. Uh, meaningful games in December. That was a goal of this organization, and this certainly qualifies. Now, two back of Tennessee with four to play. The Dallas Cowboys have a lot to play for on their side as well. The environment should be uh, at one of the all-time highs here at the bank, I think, going into this game. So, um, But for all that to matter down the stretch the next month, this game matters, right? It's, it's one game at a time, right? It's definitely a one-game you know, mentality, and, and um, you know, that's the way we approach each week. And, and you know, this, is a, this is a big game for us, again, just like we talked about last week being a big game and, and sort of a must game, you know, and, and – our guys feel that, and and I really want the guys to feel that pressure, you know, to feel um, the big game environment, you know, especially around here, and and it's 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 all part of winning and and teaching the the culture of winning, and um, you know, our guys are going to be excited. It should be a great crowd, uh, from what I'm hearing, and and uh, I know the Cowboy fans travel extremely well. Um, I've been a part of a few of those games uh, before, so it uh, should be a great atmosphere on Sunday. You know how to keep them quiet is to score early and often. How about that? Well, that's the plan, but it's easier said than done. <laughs> Thanks for the time, Coach. I appreciate it. Back with more on the Doug Peterson Show after this on the Jaguars Radio Network.
Welcome back. The Doug Peterson Show continues right now. Yes, it does. Presented by the Florida Department of Highway Safety and Motor Vehicles. Our thanks to head coach Doug Peterson joining us in the opening segment each and every Thursday here on the Jaguars Radio Network. J.P. Shadrick with Jeff Lagerman and... Hey, it's tied in. Chris Manhurts joining us in studio. Great to see you, Chris. Thanks for swinging in, man. Thanks for having me. Seventh year in the league. This is I love this story because you didn't play a lick of football in college. It was all basketball. You got a tryout with the Buffalo Bills. You went to college right there in Buffalo and then just kept building and building and staying in this What's thing. the college? Canisius, right? You guys any good in basketball? Um, we're working on that right okay. now. But um, I, I'm not going to say they're two and seven to start the year. Oh, that's okay. No, no big, deal. no comment. No, that's what it is. But you've managed to to grow your career really from from nothing. You weren't a football guy at all. How, how did you get that first initial phone call? And um, what was your mindset to hey, let me let me try this football out? Uh, my mindset initially in the beginning was, you know, to be honest with you, I really had nothing to lose by giving it a shot. So um, just having an open mind going into it, um, just having a growth mindset uh, through it all and understanding that, you know, everywhere along the way there there might be conflict, there might be issues, but pushing through and just being an open learner throughout the process. So what did, what did you weigh? Like, I mean, basketball player, I'm thinking, were you a power forward? I mean, like Barkley or something? Yeah, I was about uh, 235. In, uh, and you're six seven six 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 mm-hmm. seven two thirty five. I mean that's like tight end numbers right down the line. I, I mean, know, I know, but I had to put on a little bit of weight just given the demands of uh, my role and uh, what I was asked to do. But I'm I'm two hundred sixty pounds now. Okay, so are He's you filled a, out a little bit? Lots, a little bit, a little yeah. bit. So are, are you aware of the guys that have done what you've done before you? That guys that that played basketball in college that made the transition to the NFL, and if you do have an awareness about them, who who are they? Tony Gonzalez, uh, first one that comes to the top of the mind, um, Jimmy Graham, Antonio Gates, all those guys kind of uh, seeing their story and their journey and how they progressed and uh, maintained and sustained a long career throughout the years, that gave me motivation going into it, knowing that uh, it's possible. Yeah, you left one out in the building that's going to remind you of that, too. Marcus Pollard's going to knock on your door (laughs) here very soon, I think. Um, Marcus Pollard is a brother for life. We talk about it all the time. (laughs) And and he brings a lot to the organization, obviously. But what's so funny, though, is that you're a blocking tight end. I mean, basketball players that make the transition to football are supposed to catch a ton of balls. And to be honest with you, that was my mindset going into it. But uh, at the time, being at the top – bottom of the totem pole you kind of had to figure out a way to see the field so for me that was just um embracing the run block and roll and seeing how it has blossomed throughout the years is just you know it's a good feeling so how how, how do you grow up not playing football just not in your family is it uh, the area you grew up in what how does that happen wasn't a thought you know the first uh, ball that I picked up was basketball uh born and raised in the Bronx from New York City and um, basketball is pretty big in New York City, so I didn't really uh, – it wasn't even a thought at the time. I was just completely fo- focused on basketball. Wow. Yeah, College, I, college football isn't even a thing there. I, well, idols. Who, who are your idols in basketball? Growing up, Kevin Garnett, Shaquille O'Neal, Kobe Bryant, even now LeBron James. Um, but I'm talking New York basketball. Anthony Mason. Anthony Mason. I mean, he was that power forward kind of when I was in New York. Right? Anthony so. Mason, Patrick Ewing, all those guys, just that hard-nosed uh, style of play that kind of represented New York City basketball. Yeah. 
Chris Manhurts with us. Jaguars tied in. Second season with the Jaguars now, and uh, this team is, it, it seems, starting to find its stride now um, in the back half of this season, really the last month plus. Uh, do you guys feel that way in the locker room? And then how has this team grown as the, even going back to the offseason program, new coaching staff coming in, offseason program, training camp, quarterback in second year, uh, everything that goes into that, it seems to now be paying off in December. Is that most, right? Most certainly. And I think um, just having that process-oriented mindset between, you know, when Doug and his staff came in here to now, uh, we knew that their, you know, challenges are inevitable. We didn't really start the season or the first half of the season the way we wanted to. But uh, Doug preaches all the time that, you know, we want to be in a position to play meaningful games in December and that's where we are so for us the stakes are high the sense of urgency is high but I'd rather know either way I, I kind of want to go back just a little bit because to give people a little background you played for the Carolina Panthers right for Correct. how many years first uh, five years five so years. so give people an idea real quick of your journey through the NFL try out with the Buffalo Bills try out with the Buffalo Bills um, in what year in 2014 okay um, got cut in training camp. Uh, shortly thereafter, got picked up by the New Orleans Saints, and I had my first official practice squad year with New Orleans Saints okay. that whole year. Uh, following that year, um, had a great off season, and following that year, I made the fifty-three, and it's been trending upward since. With New Orleans. With New Orleans. And then, how did you end up in Carolina? Uh, I got cut uh, maybe week five or week six into the New Orleans season that I made the fifty-three man roster. Okay. And uh, the Carolina Panthers uh, claimed me off of waivers, and I was there for quite a while. And they were there for quite a while, and then you became a free agent. You signed here as a free agent last year, and you come into a situation that uh, was a little unique last year, we'll say that. But how much fun has it been this year getting past la or having gone through last year? It makes you kind of appreciate just the whole process of the league it it itself. Um, Obviously, last year wasn't the most ideal situation for us as a team, but uh, seeing and, and having Doug and his staff come in here and bring in the type of players that he they're, they've been able to bring in has been pr pretty exciting. You know, we have a great chemistry in the locker room, and uh, guys kind of have a hunger and a mentality to get better and take things one week at a time. So I think it's a, a, a great culture uh, that we're building over there. All right, we'll come back in a moment. We're going to get your thoughts on the Dallas Cowboys defense. How about that? Can't wait. Break it down for us. Well, we don't want the game plan. We don't want the no, no. We, we don't, don't want to give, give anything away. The game plan, JP. So make sure your questions are appropriate. You know what? Same to you, Logs. It's a two-way street. Okay. <laughs> I think he'll keep us clean. That's for sure. <laughs> hey, this is the Doug Peterson Show on Jaguars Radio. Welcome back. The Doug Peterson Show continues right now. And we're presented by the Florida Department of Highway Safety and Motor Vehicles. The Doug Peterson Show rolls along. Our thanks to the Jaguars head coach joining us at 5 o'clock every Thursday here on the network. J.P. Shadrick, Jeff Lagerman, and Chris Manhurts. Jaguars tied in as the Jaguars face the Dallas Cowboys. America's team coming in. The star, all the hype, everything that goes with Dallas and all that. Hey, it's an NFL team coming to town. Really, that's how you guys look at it. And it's, a, as you said earlier, a meaningful December game against a team that's performed pretty well this year. This Dallas team overall, 10-3, and three, very good. All right, so let's, let's touch on some of the personnel on the defensive side because it's a group that's 
rated very highly, uh, certainly uh, the second most sacks in the league this year, tied for the second most takeaways in the NFL. But that pass rush is something special. Who stands out in that group in the front seven for you? Uh, most certainly number 11, Michael Parsons, and number 90, Demarcus Lawrence. Uh, those are the two guys off the edge that, that really stand out, uh, disruptors um, and people that you definitely have to have a plan for. I think it's pretty unique to, because having a tight end's perspective, you're involved in the run game, the pass game, protection, run blocking. You have safeties that you're blocking at times. So I'm, I'm excited to be able to have your perspective on this because the Dallas Cowboys have really good players at three different levels. Uh, Van Der Esch, the linebacker, is a good player. The safeties are a good player. And obviously the edge players that you talk about. When you prepare for a game as tight, how much film and how many different guys do you have to watch just because you're blocking so many potential different guys? Well, uh, the me mental aspect, uh, we're watching hours of film on a weekly basis, just studying tendencies, uh, studying personnel, studying different packages based on who's in the game, whether there's 12 personnel, 11 personnel in the game. So it's quite a bit to prepare for, but at this point in time, it's just routine. And you like, like most tight ends, your first job requirement and your strength has been blocking. When you face a guy and you watch a guy like Micah Parsons, what makes him such a challenging guy to block? Well, I think a player like him uh, has all the traits that you would want in an elite pass rusher in this league. Um, he's, he's fast off the ball. He has great get off. Uh, he has great speed to power. He's good with his hands. And more importantly, uh, the one distinguishing quality that separates good pass rushers from, you know, great pass rushers is their motor, their ability to be in a relentless pursuit to the ball at all times. So that's definitely something that jumps out on film. But uh, we, we have our work cut out for us, but we'll be ready for it. There, there's one thing when you, when you talk about motor, and also with Micah Parsons, I, I, there's some guys that just possess what I call an effortless strength. When the, just when they move, they're strong. They're not trying to be strong. They're just naturally strong. As they're walking down the hallway, if you went and jammed them on the shoulder, you don't move them. I mean, he's one of those guys, isn't he? Yeah, those are things that you really can't teach, uh, and that's what makes him such a good player and um, such a person that you have to have a plan for. But at the same time, we have great uh, linemen. We have great tackles that that's able to – handle it and has proven it throughout the course of you know these past couple of weeks that it could be handled. Uh, we talked uh, with head coach Doug Peterson just a few minutes ago and he yeah. talked about well you know we don't have to leave those tackles <laughs> on an island. Last time I checked the closest person to a tackle is <laughs> a tight end so don't give us the That's game right. plan but right. just just saying. That's true. Okay just saying. Just got to have a plan. <laughs> but those guys I mean you guys work in tandem and, and practice a lot. I mean we see it during the open media time uh, there's some drills you and the tackles are there together and and that really is a big key obviously in this offense when you guys are working in tandem with the tackles right? Absolutely and especially as a tight end like you said we're, we we have to know the run game in and out we have to know the pass game in and out we have to know the protection game in and out and that can't be done without us and the offensive linemen being on the same page so a lot of detail goes into that on a week to week basis. Yeah one of uh, the guys we had a conversation earlier we were talking about Mercedes Lewis and Mercedes Lewis do you watch film on him? 
Do you happen to catch any film on him? Is he one of the guys that you've watched? Oh, most certainly, especially when, you know, we're preparing for a team that the Packers have played and, you know, you can't help but to notice and, and, and take note of uh, the type of player that he is and certain techniques that he has. So he has, he's been playing this game for a long time. So I think, uh, you know, it's for a good reason and, you know, he's doing all the right things to sustain a long career. The, I'll, I'll never forget, you, and you obviously remember Dwight Freeney, Mm-hmm. Okay, one of the best pass rushers in the league during his de- heyday when it was him and Robert Mathis with the Colts, who we saw twice a year. Mercedes was the only guy in that time frame that I ever saw that could block Dwight Freeney one-on-one in pass pro. Tight end. Tight end blocking Dwight Freeney. I mean, it's just crazy. To be honest with you, I think uh, half of it is – a mentality. Half of it, you you just kind of have to have a dog mentality and uh, have that want to to get to get it done. Sometimes we're outmatched. Um, you know, the average tight end is ranging between 240 and 260, and the average D lineman could span from 260 up to 300 pounds. So uh, knowing that, you just have to be on point with your technique, your pad level, your hands, and uh, making sure that everything is perfect so that you could be effective at your job. Last couple minutes with you, Chris Manhurts with us in studio, Jaguars tight end, and are you a division standings watcher? Do you look at any of that stuff as a team or personally? Do you worry about that, or you're just worried about the star on the helmet? Uh, we're aware of where we stand in the division, but at the same time, we, we kind of have a week-to-week approach as far as our preparation. So for me, it's honestly, you know, every week is a new week, and the only game that matters right now is winning this game against the Cowboys. Have you have you ever faced the Dallas Cowboys with any team that you've been on, Carolina, New Orleans? One time. Did did you? Because I, I just go back to the first time that I was ever a part of a team was with the Jets, and we went and traveled to Dallas and played the Dallas Cowboys, and it was back at the old stadium, you know, with the hole in the middle that was opened up. There was almost a sense of awe. I think the first time, the first experience that you have against the Dallas Cowboys, just because it's the Dallas Cowboys, right? It's America's team. Do you do you have a conversation with some of your young players to just say, hey, this football game, this is Dallas Cowboys, but it doesn't make them any different than the Tennessee Titans or the Indianapolis Colts? Do you do you talk about that? Yeah, I think honestly, it's kind of a culture now at this point. Just just you know, um, throughout the whole locker room and, and the coaching staff that, you know, every week, you know, you kind of, we call it a nameless, faceless opponent. Um, you know, at the end of the day, it's about us and how we prepare uh, in our preparation and, and getting ready for these guys and our assignments and our plays. But uh, we're fully aware of the magnitude of this game, don't get me wrong, but uh, at the end of the day, it's, it's up to us and it's about us and how, how we do our jobs and our assignments and, and uh, being successful in this game. Excited for the environment here? Should be packed house. I heard it's a packed house, so even better. Feel probably going to be a playoff-like environment. So, like I said, it doesn't get better than that in in, in December. All right. So, b- before we let you go, okay, just uh, a fun question here: the basketball game. Do you still play a little bit? You got You got You play horse one on one. Pick up basketball. <laughs> what are you trying to like ask him for a game? What are you trying to do? Lock? You know, you still, you still got game. I don't think I have nearly as close to as much game as I used to. I mean, that was eight years ago. Um, and ever since I started playing football, it's kind of you start to fall in love with it a little bit and just 
you know, forget about the basketball thing because it was so long ago. But, but I watch some guys. It. Some guys won't let you forget. Do you ever get challenged to a little one on one in the off season? I'm not even going to risk it at this point. I'm <laughs> I'm in my eighth year in the league. I'm just trying to see the next year, see the next week. So um, I'll just I'll just be the bystander for the most part. All right, last question from me: Scoring average at Canisius. I think it was about eight points, eight points, nine rebounds, something okay. like that. Decent. Nine rebounds, good. Decent. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Yeah, I had a couple twenty win seasons while you were there too, right? Yeah, the last two. Yep. So that was that was pretty good. Pretty good. So there you go. Uh, not this year, but I mean that's a different story. <laughs> They're working on it though. It's we're, we're working. You know, I, it's I, a process. I, I just know how the locker room works sometimes. That everybody wants to, you know, the former basketball player. Of course, everybody thinks yeah. that they got basketball game, and so everybody wants to show you. What kind of game they got? Yeah. Challenges a horse or one on one or, or whatever. Everybody's trying to make their mock five on five teams in the locker room, so it's it's fun, it's entertaining. You get it every year, so it's good. <laughs> Love it, uh, Chris. Thanks for the time. Thanks for coming in. We'll see you again soon. Pre- appreciate you having me. Good luck to you this weekend. Thank you. Let's beat those Cowboys. How about that? Indeed. Chris Manhurts, Jaguars tight end, with us. We're back with more on the Doug Peterson Show on the Jaguars Radio Network. The Doug Peterson Show continues right now. Welcome back. This is the Doug Peterson Show. J.P. Shadrick with Jeff Lagerman. Our thanks to head coach Doug Peterson joining us in the opening segment each and every Thursday. And our thanks to Chris Manhurst, Jaguars tight end, for joining us uh, for the last uh, 20 minutes or so. Good conversation. Guy now in his second year with the Jaguars organization, seventh year in the NFL. And it is a fantastic story. And uh, a guy who never played football until he tried out for the Buffalo Bills. That's amazing. And then all of a sudden he's still in the NFL and got a free agent contract here last year and is a obviously a huge piece of this tight end room for the Jaguars in, in the run blocking game. And he's a really good blocker. Yeah. yeah so he's one of he's you know if you look at uh, PFF's rankings of blocking tight ends in the league, he is one of the better tight ends in the league. And for the Jaguars, extremely valuable. You know, you, you kind of have two tight ends in the league now. You have your inline guy who's more of a blocking tight end, and then you have the dynamic move tight ends. And he's that inline blocking tight end, that extra offensive lineman, but still having a guy that has the ability to make some catches. And look, he's got six catches on the year. He had six last year. So one more will be a career high for him. <laughs> That's right. He does have a couple career touchdowns. I, I think the first – was it the first Trevor Lawrence touchdown pass was to him? Correct. That's right. That'll yep. be a good trivia question one day. Yeah, and I, I think he, he – uh, I can't remember. We asked him about where the ball went a couple days ago, and he said that nobody kind of kept the ball, and he actually thought he should have kept it. He wasn't thinking. Yeah. And Trevor ended up getting the ball. And which is good. I mean, it's look. At least it ends up. But he was like, man. He goes, I should have kept that. Never gave it to Trevor. I might have been able. To, I mean, he probably could have sold it, oh, right? Sure, absolutely. Hey, Trevor, how much you want to give me for your first touchdown? <laughs> sold it ball? to the quarterback. Yeah, yeah, that's who you sell it to. Hey, uh, we got to take a timeout. We'll come back. Uh, plenty more ahead on this Cowboys Jaguars matchup. We'll get uh, some thoughts from Logs on the head coach's thoughts earlier as well. This is the Doug Peterson Show on Jaguars Radio.
Welcome back. The Doug Peterson Show continues right now. Presented by the Florida Department of Highway Safety and Motor Vehicles, the Doug Peterson Show rolls along. J.P. Shadrick with Jeff Logman, the Jaguars and the Dallas Cowboys coming up this Sunday at TIAA Bank Field in Week 15. The Cowboys at 10-3, and three, the Jaguars at 5-8. and eight. Meaningful December football game, both teams chasing the division leader in their respective division. The 78th Tax Slayer Gator Bowl returns to the bank December 30th. The 21st-ranked Notre Dame Fighting Irish Face the number 19 South Carolina Gamecocks. And for more, visit TaxSlayerGatorBowl.com. Good ball game there. Yeah, that's a real good ball game. Battle of eight and four teams. Uh, the Gamecocks really rallied at the end of the season. When's, uh, when's the real big game, though, on, the, on television? The playoffs, man. Oh, the next day, the 31st. Yeah. Yeah, the, the two playoff games are uh, New Year's Eve. All right. And the championship's, what, a, a week and a Monday later. Yeah. All right. Alabama in that mix? Uh, no, they're not. Yeah. Hmm. 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 There you go. Uh, how about the uh, Jaguars? We talked a lot about the uh, Jags, or the, the Cowboys defense. With I messed Chris you up there, here. didn't I? Yeah. Yeah. I've been criticizing Alabama. I've been messed up for a long time. <laughs> That's not going to phase me. All right, so we talked a lot about the Cowboys defense. Now to this uh, Cowboys offensive attack, and we mentioned it a little earlier, the, the offensive line, they have some veteran guys in key spots, but they might be moving some guys around. Who knows what it really looks like on game day, but that could that could be something to watch up front for Dallas. Yeah, I want to see how they line up. You know, I want to see uh, what they do. Are they going to make some roster moves because Terrence Steele had the ACL against Houston this past weekend? You know, will Tyron Smith be activated off of IR, which still hasn't happened, although Jerry Jones said he expects it to happen. But sometimes Dr. Jones isn't always right. You know, he sometimes uh, gets a little bit of ahead of himself sometimes. But I think that's a big question mark. How do the, how do the Cowboys line up with that offensive line? What are they going to do if they have Tyron Smith up at left tackle? What will they do with – the uh, Tyler Smith, their rookie that's been playing left tackle, will they move him to guard? Could they move him to right tackle to take over for the injured Terrence Steele? Or would they move a Jason Peters over there to right tackle? Or would they play a Josh Ball who played there in Steele's absence last week, but he struggled mightily? So there's a lot of questions to be able to uh, ponder. And I think as a, if you're a Jaguars defensive lineman, a defensive coach, you just prepare for the scheme. And as a player, you study all of the guys on, on the above list and just get ready because you don't know who's going to play. Just don't know. But it's the Jaguars defense that um, got some takeaways last week. Well, do some and, of those again. And Trayvon Walker will probably not play and practice yet, right? According to the Correct. injury report. Correct. You know, so Josh Allen, you'd like him to continue. Okay, he got a sack. He was able to get some pressure this past game against two inferior tackles in, in Tennessee. Arden Key, Smoot are going to have to play a bigger role. You know, so I'm looking forward to watching this matchup this week, that, that pit matchup. Because uh, when you play a good football team, it, it always starts up front, and you've got to be able to do a good job to be able to have a chance to win. And this, this week is no different. And I can't wait to watch it. I can't wait to experience the environment. Can't wait to see how this young team reacts to the star and the moment. 
Let's come back in a moment. We've got a social media question for Jeff Lagerman when we come back. And i be honest with you, I do not remember what it is. So we're going to we're gonna wing it when we come back. This is the Doug Peterson Show on the Jaguars Radio Network. Welcome back. The Doug Peterson Show continues right now. Welcome back. It's week 15. The Jaguars and the Dallas Cowboys coming up Sunday at TIAA Bank Field as the Jags try to walk down the Tennessee Titans in the AFC South. The Cowboys, with a win, would secure a playoff berth. They're still trying to chase down the Eagles in the NFC East. And it's time now to go to the uh, tablet. Yes, the Microsoft Surface for a social media question for Jeff Lagerman. Let's see what we've come up with. This is at Amy Hall 904. How can the Jaguars defense keep up the turnovers from last week? Why did those disappear midseason? That's a great question. And if you look at the pass rush of the Jaguars defense through the season, they hit a bit of a, bit of a lull in the mid part of the season. And so that I think that greatly impacts the ability to get takeaways is how is the pass rush doing? Early in the season, they were doing a great job because they were really stout against the run, set themselves up in some great situations from a down-and-distance standpoint to be able to pressure quarterbacks, and the takeaways come. And then over the last uh, month and a half or so, the pass rush has been a little off, if you think about it. Going back to last week, Josh had his last sack, I think it was October 10th prior to last week. Trayvon Walker had his last sack in like October, the end of October. So he went the month of November without a sack. So when you don't have the pressure, then you typically don't get the takeaways as defense. And then once you got against Tennessee, you had an opportunity there uh, at rushing the passer late in the second half. You ended up getting the Arden key because you put them in a situation where they're uncomfortable with, snapping the ball to – Derrick Henry in a wildcat, and he doesn't handle it. And uh, Tannehill with a rushed throw. He was expecting a hot route, put them in a passing situation. He throws a, a ball to Robert Woods, and Woods is not turned around. And Wingard ends up making the interception. So pass rush, I think, is the real key. Pass rush and the ability to put the offense in an uncomfortable situation typically is when you get the takeaways. There have been times earlier this season where they've had – balls in their hands and they haven't been able to bring it in or right. you know you got to be able to make those plays when they're presented too you know? yeah and that's that's what it's all about I mean when you get pressure when you get great pressure on the quarterback or when you get the opportunity to be able to pressure the quarterback then you can add takeaways to that you know and Trayvon Walker you know put the the Tennessee Titans in a in a pass rush situation they're keeping the tight end in on his sack calls fumble they're keeping the tight end in and Trayvon beats them so fast that the tackle is literally trying to run to get to him on the outside and, and literally whiffs. I don't know how he missed him completely. He literally didn't even get a hand on Trayvon because Trayvon was so fast at beating the tight end. Then all of a sudden he gets to the backside of Tannehill and he does a great job of, of that strip sack, you know, bringing that arm down, pops that ball out. But it was because they were in a passing situation. That, uh, I think – Changed the tune a little early in the game. You know, obviously, uh, Jags were down seven at that point, and then the second one 
really changed the whole game, I think, when, when Shaq Quarterman knocked it out of the hands of, of Derrick Henry and then set up the two-minute drive, put the Jags ahead really for good. They never looked back from yeah, that, that point. The, that was the third one because you yeah, had the Shaq right, fumble yep. and then Wingard on the interception yep. and then the Shaq caused fumble was the third one. And that's that's that put Tennessee in the situation that they didn't want to be in. And you know, this week, if you're facing Dallas Cowboys, if you can dominate an offensive line that's going to be shuffled a little bit, I mean, that's the key. And I, and I said last week that there's three guys that got to play really well. And I still believe the same applies for this week, and that's Roy Robertson-Harris, Devon Hamilton, and Fadakasi have to play really well for this off, for this defense to have a chance at stopping Dallas because you've got to neutralize Pollard and, and Elliott. If you don't do that, you're going to make it extremely difficult on yourself to, to be able to to keep up with this Dallas Cowboys football team. Let's come back. Our final thoughts on the quarterback and his play from last week and moving ahead for this Jags team and our final thoughts on the Dallas Cowboys and the Jacksonville Jaguars. It's the Doug Peterson Show on Jaguars Radio. Welcome back. The Doug Peterson Show continues right now. The Doug Peterson Show rolls a long final few moments on this Thursday, week 15. The Cowboys and the Jaguars coming up. J.P. Shadrick with Jeff Logman, head coach Doug Peterson with us in the opening segment each and every week. A lot of talk around the quarterback this week and that London game turning the tide for him. And his play has just continued to grow over the last month plus and it really came to a head last week in Tennessee. 368 yards, a career high, three touchdown passes, and a touchdown run where he stiff-armed a guy, and he probably shouldn't have – well, he actually said he should have handed it off. It wasn't even a quarterback run option in that play, but just like muscle memory it sounded like. Well, it uh, worked. Hey, it worked out. Didn't he get uh, player of the week? AFC player of the week. Offensive Second player time of the this week. year, right? That's right. Yeah, no, that was, it's well-deserved, and he got uh, – also named on PFF's player team of the week, which they picked somebody from each position, both offensively and defensively, for his performance there. Now the crazy thing is, is that that was his first win in the division outside of the Indianapolis Colts. Think about that. Yeah, that's well, that's yeah, his that's... third career win in the AFC South, and it's the first time he beat somebody as a quarterback. Besides the Indianapolis Colts, I mean, so and everything seems to be, you know, a, a stepping stone because not only was that big for him, but also it ended an eight, uh, fourteen game AFC South road losing streak mm-hmm. that was ended in Tennessee. Well, guess what? It's time to snap another streak. It's now twenty straight losses against NFC teams for this Jaguars mm. team. They've got to break that skid. Yeah, and been, been a lot of streaks when you've been the yeah. worst football team in the NFL over the last two years. I, it's what it is, yeah. right? I mean, you lose to a lot of teams in a lot of places. Uh, so hopefully that tide is turning as well, but the quarterback a, a big hand in that, certainly. How you feeling about this one, Logs? I feel pretty good about it. Now, last week I felt really confident. I, I thought the Jaguars matched up really well against Tennessee for a lot of different reasons. I think that this is a tough matchup, but I think it's a winnable matchup. Going into Kansas City, I was like, boy, I just don't see how they're going to beat Kansas City because Patrick Mahomes and Chris Jones, Kelsey, they're just too good. But against the Cowboys, when you watch the film of them playing the Texans, the Texans are not a good football team. 
the Texans had that game won. But the only way the Cowboys were able to win it is they had to have a goal line stand, and then they ended up driving like 98 yards to get the win. So, look, if, if the Texans can do that to the Cowboys, I mean, why can't the Jaguars do that to the Cowboys? And they're not perfect. Dak Prescott has been playing well, but he's got a few mistakes in him. And if he makes some mistakes, if you steal a possession on special team, you know, when you play good teams, you got to find a way to get a little bit more. Kansas City, right? Surprise onside kick. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that was a way to steal a possession. They didn't cash it in, though. Didn't cash in on it. But if you steal a possession and cash in on it, you there know, you go. might you have some trickery up your sleeve on special teams? Can you get a kick return touchdown that's not a holding that's call? That's not called, well, not a holding call and a taunting. Right. Which, by the way, what were you thinking, Kayla Lanchez, well, on about taunting a kicker I don't know, on a kick return yeah, he's a for kicker. a touchdown? He's a kicker, though. I'm kidding, But of can course. you imagine if, if – because the block was bogus. I mean, the, the, the penalty the on the hold was terrible. But that can, that can flip a game as well. I watched that play <laughs> five or six times trying to find the hold. I still haven't found it. But I did see the taunt. So, the Jaguars and the Cowboys – Limited tickets, standing room tickets, actually, only thing left, so it'll be a packed house. Get here early on Sunday. That'll do it for our program tonight. Our thanks to Chris Manhurts, head coach Doug Peterson, Joe Fortunato on the audio, Brent Reber, David Cho on the video, and for Jeff Logaman, I'm J.P. Shadrick. It's the Doug Peterson Show on the Jaguars Radio Network.